America. My name is Ahmed Yosef Frimpong. Usually I do a Thursday show, but I'm going to give it to you Monday night because it's very important to clear this up. People think that racism is about hair. Let me touch your hair. Or wearing dreadlocks or not. Or people think about racism about like, well, you know, you used to have colored bathrooms and water fountains, but that's not what's going on, right? So what's really going on is what's driving the whole thing is black male sexual threats, right? That's what racism's about. That's like deep and a fundamental, not, it's not totally about that, but that is the most intractable and, and powerful um, uh, stigma because it's something that's going to be impossible to prove, right? So it's going to be impossible to prove. And um, it's always a potential sexual threat, right? So the black man who is this close to being a rapist is what black you know men and boys have to live with. I'm a bit aged out of it now that I'm married and got a bunch of kids, but pretty much performing not rapist and not potential rapist is a whole job for black people. And that's the job. That's the soul destructing job. The soul, uh, the soul deadening job performing, not threatening, because maybe some things need to change. So if a lot of good work and a lot of freedom is about taking on your fair share of risk, there are some risks black men are not supposed to take, because when we take, it's threatening. When we take it, we don't get the job. When we take it, it's, uh, it's irresponsible. Or when we take it, it's, it's assault or rape. There is a study um out of Colgate they did a study um I saw it in the in the Atlantic about sexual assault claims I'll bring it up with you because you know when you do race stuff you have to always bring your receipts I'll bring it up it's about sexual assault claims at Colgate University and it said in 2013-2014 academic year 4.2 percent of Colgate's college students were black. According to the university's records, in that year, black male students were accused of 50% of the sexual violations reported to the university. They made up of 40% of the students formally adjudicated. Right? We are 4.2, and that's 4.2% of Colgate students were black. Let's assume that half of them were women. And honestly, we should probably assume that more than half of them are women because that's who's going to college. So um, we're talking about 2% of the population were charged with 50% of the sexual violations and were brought to, and were formally adjudicated in 40% of them. What does that mean? It means that there is a vested interest. There is a vested interest in black men being conceived as sexual assailants. It's always been the case. It is the form in which racism through Jim Crow was taken. There was a great uh, article. I did a video on black castration a week or two ago. You should go and see that if you're interested in what I'm saying. Uh, it was just, there was a doctor, a white doctor, who was saying like, well, you know, before the Civil War, um, I, don't, I don't really remember hearing that much about black men being rapists. Uh, but after the Civil War, I just read in all the papers, now that the war is over, that, that's the thing. Yeah, that's the thing, because now after the Civil War that were formerly free, they, like, America needed an excuse 
to control us, right? To control and degrade us. And there is nothing, there's no more legitimate excuse than us being random sexual assailants, right? And so this is one thing, people ask me why I'm not a feminist or an intersectional feminist. I'm like, this is one thing intersectional feminism won't get. Intersectional feminism won't get that um, racism comes in the form of black men being construed as sexual threats because it doesn't necessarily come in the form of black women being construed as sexual threats. Sure, there are Jezebel narratives, but that's not like a central narrative. Um, that's not a central principle. So this idea that if you just kind of deal with black women, you get everything that has to do with black and everything that has to do with women. No, you won't get the moving principle of, of settler colonial racism, which is outgroup males being considered sexual threats. Right? And if you don't understand that, then you don't actually, you don't actually know what it's like to be a black guy. Because in all of these institutions of discretion, whether it's work, whether it's property, whether it's um, you know religious life or family life or even intimate relations prior to joining as a family, black men are considered degraded, dangerously degraded, such that nobody else gets to actually participate in those institutions with us, right? Um, like in terms of civil society, right? Like black men are damaged, right? So that so much that they'll bring down the whole firm. In terms of politics, we're political radical dissonance. I'm a pretty good American insofar as I think we should fix America. But uh, in order for Obama to actually become president, he had to pretty much say that there is no there is no difference between black and white America, which means he had to lie. He had to say he had to tell white America that he was on their team. Uh, and that he was willing to just ignore the particular plight of black black people. So that's 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 the price. If you're not willing to pay that price, that's the price of respectability politics. If you're not willing to pay that price, then like there's some things you don't get to do in America, right? So also in America, you have to as a black man, you have to prove that you're not a rapist or not a potential rapist. Right? That's the stigma you're dealing with. You're you're dealing with the always on the cusp of sexual assault. Now, I've dated a lot of white women, and I will tell you that there's a time or two where like I kind of, there's a little trepidation because when you break, if you break up with one, you have to do it very carefully or you end up in jail <laughs> or the police call. So yeah, you gotta, it's, 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 it's a minefield. I kind of live this high risk, I was a, I was a high risk guy, um, but like that's, those are the stakes, right? So it's not about hair, it's not about bathroom, it's not about being followed around in stores, it's about being construed as a rapist, right? And someone who's always about to commit sexual violation. And you have to think about sexual violation is insofar as it's impossible to prove, it's immediate, and it's private. So you there's there's literally nothing you can say as a black guy once you've been assaulted or once you've been accused of that kind of assault like sexual assault there doesn't need to be any marks it can be emotional abuse like it doesn't like you're you are guilty so it's the perfect policing mechanism now it kind of conforms gender relationships in america insofar as now that you have a population that is the perennial um, perpetrator, you need a, a perennial victim, and then a perennial protector, and those are your those like are how white people have conceived gender, 
<laughs> to be a man is to protect women from black men, from black males, right? Black men, black males are not men. They're black males. You know, Tommy Curry's book, The Man Not, I don't know if I have a picture of it. Tommy Curry's book, The Man Not, is kind of a heady um, uh, foray into this. But if you're actually serious about what I'm doing, you need to read his book, right? The Man Not is very good. And like, I've I've gone through the bibliography and I the, the bibliography is fantastic, actually. So you can start reading the stuff in the bibliography, like Melissa Stein's book, Measuring Manhood, or... Um, uh Louise Newman's book, uh White Women's Rights. And the bibliography for is is fantastic. And there's actually some white women historians who've been doing really good work. So Tommy isn't out there theorizing on his own. He's like drawing on the work of like historians and just doing empirical research on how this works. And uh it's 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 simply the case that America only works as we know it if black men are assumed to be sexual threats. And that's the stigma that like black boys live under in integrated environments or with the police. Like there's uh, an article in Time. You can just I think you can just Google Time. Times and trans men and it was talking about the distinction between the experience of trans uh, white trans men and black trans men. And white trans men were like, well, you know, once I transitioned over to being men, I got taken more seriously in meetings. Um, people were showing respect to me in a way. It was a little bit less, a little bit more lonely in some ways, but I just got so much more power. And then you talk to black trans men, and black trans men were like, oh, this is not as cool as I thought it would be. You know, white women look at me like I'm going to rape them. Police like look at me like they're going to shoot me. I can't ask a cop for directions anymore. By the way, I didn't even know that that was something people did ask police for directions i wasn't aware that was just that's just, i'd rather be lost <laughs> um i would stay lost rather than i would rather stay lost than ask for uh for a, a police for directions right so that's, but apparently that's something that other people did because they weren't black men. And so the, the, the time, you can just go Google time and then they got the original article on the link. Um, by the way, if you like anything I'm doing, go ahead and go to www.funkyacademic.com because if I keep doing it and I'm going to keep doing it, depending on who you talk to, I'm going to make myself down white unemployable. So I'm going to need you to kick in five, fifteen, or fifty dollars a month, and give me, so that I can give you the quality of wisdom that you need to make sense of your life. Because I'm going to be the one who has got to sit down when you send your son to Colgate College, and when you send your son to Colgate College, um, what are you going to do? Set him with like mittens and a gag? Because like if he says the wrong thing, he gets end up brought up on charges, and that's not just Colgate. That's like integrated life. Because and this is what Melissa Stein's book actually put forth actually rather well that everybody gets their identity from the active degradation of black men. So like white men get their white manhood from degrading black men. In college, the feminists get their feminist sense of purpose from like <laughs> screaming sexual assault on a black man. Like everyone gets to be, gets their self-actualization is predicated on their like the way they've performed, you know, their relationships with black men. And it's never, it's rarely good for the black man. 
involved. So uh, you have to, and so I say this because I was watching Colin Kaepernick's Netflix series this weekend, and Robert Townsend, who I, I actually respect, directed some of the middle episodes, and they were good because the middle episodes actually talked about like Kaepernick being conceived of as a threat and construed as a threat and recognized as a threat in a way that like didn't match with his personality. And, and but but not a sexual threat so much, right? But the other things, but they didn't actually, and that's that's just not. This is how you know that Anna DeVornay like did it with him and not me, because like that's got to be something that's introduced, right? Like to be a black guy in an interracial relation in a in a in a in a white environment, pretty much life is like Bumble. They got to make the move first. <laughs> Um, like Bumble, Bumble is supposed to be this uh, app where women make the move first, but really they just kind of pick which guy makes the move on them. So if you're a black guy in that situation, having been in that situation my life, uh, quite a bit, they have to make the move first. Or if you make a move, like, you know, depending on who you talk to a guy is supposed to, it's just a high risk venture. And so you just have to have like a, an appetite for risk in a way that, um, or <laughs> recklessness in a way that uh, your white counterparts don't. So the one thing I didn't like about the special, the Kaepernick black or white, Colin black and white, is that it didn't actually do that part of what racism looks like in a predominantly white environment. And if you don't do that part of what racism looks like in a predominantly white environment, you're not actually doing racism. Like if you don't do the threat response and threats in all of the institution specific ways, which means in dating, which is high school is going to be one of those things, um, it's going to be as a sexual threat, as a rapist. In politics, it's going to look like as a political threat. In civil society, it's going to look like a threat to like the institutional firm. In property, it's going to be it's going to look like you know a thief. So in all of the institutions through which we make meaning and exercise self-determination, black men are going to be conceived as threats, active negations, not just passive, but active negations. And they have to show themselves and perform passivity um, so that at least at, at best they can be seen as not active, but passive. Because if they're seen as active, it's always like it's tied to the negation of the institution itself. Right? So you have to kind of understand that performing passivity, because active participation is tied to threatening the entire institutional form, is part of what it is to be a black male. And it's kind of a tax. It's an unbecoming tax. And it's not exactly a recipe for success because you have to take chances and be active in order to succeed in America, right? So, or live meaningfully. You could succeed as like a passive kind of just kind of going for white comfort, but I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's the same thing as freedom. But what that looks like an intimate relationship is you're just gonna be conceived of as an soon to be rapist, a potential rapist. And that's, I feel, I think that's, that's, and if you don't deal with that as a function of racism, and it's the plot of many movies, and like everybody knows, yeah, yeah. So, but we don't articulate it as such. We don't say that black men don't just go out of their way to be seen as like 
not criminal, like not property threats, but as sexual threats. They go out of their way to not be conceived of as sexual threats. And that is, that is an unfortunate position to be in. I think that's an unfortunate position to be in. And not just because I'm a black male, but because I see what it does to black men. And since we're always conceived of as potential perpetrators, you don't actually conceive us as victims of sexual violence, which is why we like, like, which is a huge problem. I could do a whole nother show on how black men are not being conceived of as victims of sexual violence and how that actually just perpetuates sexual violence because you have all these untreated, traumatized black men um, whose like growth is stunted for all these race and and maybe they abuse or maybe they just uh, they don't abuse, but they just it's just not healthy. It's just not healthy. So if you actually care about like getting rid of sexual violence, you have to actually treat black men as victims. I had a buddy who worked in a, um, in a, a place for a facility for offenders. She was kind of an intern in the, in the hospital for offenders and all these black guys had been raped. They were all in there for like some property crime or some other crime, but all of them themselves had been sexually assaulted. But just nobody cared. That was like not ever considered like, wow, 95% of these guys have been sexually assaulted. Huh, maybe that's kind of a thing. Why don't we deal with that? Instead of now we've locked them up for aggregated assault as an 18 year old. But like it turns out that when they were seven, they were assaulted by their, you know, aunt or whatever. Right, so or like their babysitter, and nobody really, and nobody actually dealt with that. So yeah, they have issues. They have issues, and so if you try to talk about racism, and I want to talk about this with my class on on Monday because we're we're dealing with the section of Curry's book. If you talk about racism, but don't try to talk about the way black men are conceived of as sexual threats, you're not really talking about racism because that it does so much work. That conception and that stigma does so much work. Um, that like you're not really talking about racism. It is the act. You can fix everything else about racism, but until you actually like deal with and extirpate that stigma, it will still be the policing mechanism that governs black lives. Because you can't do anything if you're gonna if everything. Everything you do is construed of as a like a potent as as step one of a process that leads to like sexual assault. You can't really do anything. You can't actively do anything. So as long as you can fix all of the other aspects of racism, but if you leave that one um, intact, with the assumption that you know white men exist as men in order to police the sexual appetites of black men because black men can't, apparently can't police themselves in order to, to kind of, um, depending whether you're conservative, save white women, or if you're a Democrat, save all women from black men. Because whether you're on the, the Democrat or Republican, you always find a reason to put black men in jail. Whether you're, if, that's, if you leave that intact, then you functionally like neutered black men for political action or any sort of action. That's that's serious. You you it's it's like I said, sexual assault is uh, immediate. 
which means that there's no juridical barrier between you and the, the uh, perpetrator or you or the victim, which means that it's going to be impossible to prove. And um, it's like the perfect weapon to keep an entire population terrorized. So now you got black people who just don't deal with white people because like they don't want to have to deal with not always performing not rapist. Which is going to be a problem because dealing with white people is where the money's at. Right? Like actually like where the money for the community is. Like America in the US money is white. So like you're going to have to take some of the money that they think is theirs. <laughs> and in order to do that, you have to deal with being conceived of as a threat. And it, you're going to be conceived of as a threat in all of the ways. All right, just for standing up. All right, so unless, unless we deal with that on why white supremacy and settler colonialism needs, needs black men to be construed as rapists and sexual threats, then you're not really serious about dealing with, you're not really serious about dealing with racism. And this is one thing, once I said, I think it's important that like feminism or intersectional feminism, whatever you want to call it, isn't going to deal with because black women aren't construed of as sexual threats in the same way. It's not their primary identity. Like I said, there are Jezebel stereotypes and all these other stereotypes, but it's not gonna be the same thing. It's not going to be the same thing. They're not constantly proving themselves as not rapists. Right, and that's not working on them. So if you actually want to study racism, you have to study it in its gendered manifestations, which means you probably need a black male studies department. You need black male studies because there are things that only, there are aspects of racial degradation that only affect black men or are active or as effective when they're targeted at black males. Right, so if you try to lump it all together in, you know, intersectional feminism or gender studies department or a race department that doesn't, that low key doesn't really care about black men, then you're gonna miss this very important aspect of functional racism. Um, so black male studies are important because they deal with this. And until you can tell me that any of the other studies will deal with this, and that is the construal of black men as sexual threats and the work that does, not just on them, but for society in the policing of, of, of black males, then you're not really serious about racism and everything is, is, is cosplay. Is cosplay. You think black men are disposable. Or you just probably just think that they're rapists. The entire like, gender studies department just kind of assume, like go with the idea that black men are just rapists anyway, so it doesn't really matter. And if we can save black women, that'll, that's good enough. Because black men are just rapists anyway. Um, and this goes from bromide, like all the way up through bell hooks. And uh, this idea that, yeah. Anyway, thank you for your time. If you like what I'm doing, go ahead and go to www.funkyacademic.com. If you actually want to get, ra uh, get at racism, you have to talk about black men being conceived of as sexual threats, and always having a job, a job of getting rid of that conception. And I'm going to read the Colgate numbers again and leave you with a hypothetical. Right? This is Colgate. In 2013-2014 academic year, 4.2% of Colgate students were black. According to the university's records, in that year, black male students were accused of 50% of sexual violations reported to the university. They made up of 40% of the students formally adjudicated. 
So 4.2% of the students at Colgate were black. Assume half of those are women. That's 2.2% men. 2% made up 50% of sexual violations. So what do you do if you send your son to Colgate? Like, what are you, you going to do? You're going to send him with mittens and a gag? Can't talk? Don't talk to women? Just keep your hands down? And like, like, like it's just not worth it. <laughs> it's just not worth it. But can they live that, like, can, can we live life that way? And what does it mean to live life that way? Right? Is that freedom? Thank you for your time. And I will see you on Thursday talking about something different. Peace.